0: Welcome to this week's episode of the PQI podcast. This week, we sit down with Dr. Kafila Salau to discuss the role and need for healthcare advocates. Dr. Salau is a compassionate healthcare pioneer with a profound commitment to transforming lives and advocating for health equity. Born in Nigeria and later migrating to the USA. Kafilat's personal journey was shaped by the challenges of navigating healthcare systems with cultural differences and language barriers. All right, so thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. To start out, will you please introduce yourself and give us a brief overview of your current role?
1: Hi, JJ, thank you so much for having me on the uh, UNCODA. uh podcast this has been this is an honor uh thank you so my name is kafila uh the full official uh dr Kafilat salau and i have a doctorate degree in nursing um i am a, in an, a, i am an independent uh health advocate and a hematology oncology nurse practitioner uh, so i fill two roles uh currently I do provide personal in my uh, advocacy role. Uh, I provide personalized support to patients navigating the complex world of oncology and hematology care. I help them make informed decisions and ensuring that they receive the best uh, possible care.
0: All right, wonderful. Thank you, and it's it's an honor to have you on the podcast as well. I think what what you're doing, we will learn, is so important. So. Thank you. I would love to know how you got into this role and what you, so what did your career path look like and why did you start your company? I, my career path
1: actually started due to a personal experience, a couple of them at least. Uh, My younger brother, who has now passed on, God rest his soul, um, he had a lot of complex medical issues that we couldn't get. Um. Diagnosis for. I watched my parents uh, suffer through that, uh, having fragmented care, not providers not communicating with them properly. Um, Kind of that stress uh, ignited my passion for to become to become a nurse uh, years ago, and then my another loved one um, received a diagnosis of cancer um, over a decade ago. So. I transitioned from a bedside nurse uh, on a med- medical surgical floor to being an oncology uh, nurse. Okay. So I I went from that. I uh, became a nurse practitioner to see if I could help make an, more impact as a nurse practitioner more so than I was doing as a nurse at that point. Uh, and my journey—it's been an amazing um, journey being a nurse practitioner. However. The main reason why I became, I became a clinician in the first place was still, the problem was still there. Fragmented care, poor communication between patients and their providers. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I founded Fight Health Advocates, where I um, serve as a liaison between patients who have chronic illness. Cancer is a big part of my, um, what I do. Uh, so I serve as a liaison between patients and their healthcare providers, making sure that they're communicating effectively, prevent medical errors, um, things stuff like that.
0: Okay, great. So with that leads me into my next question. Um, what I know you kind of mentioned some of, some of the duties and what you do, but what exactly is a health advocate? And why is that role so important, especially, I know, in the oncology and hematology setting? And, and I think all of us know, um, just from, like you said, personal experience. I So,
1: and thank you for that question. Uh, a health advocate is someone who supports patients uh, or their caregivers in understanding their health care options. Uh, part of... Other things that I do is uh, coordinating care, uh, advocating for their best interests. So my clients are my, um, they're my priority. I My allegiance is solely to them. Um, as you know, in the world of oncology and hematology, the complexity of treatments, emotional challenges, and the need for informed decision making, it cannot be overemphasized.
0: Yes for sure. Yeah. So then along with that, um, I would like to know more, and I know you gave us a brief overview, but about FIDES Health Advocates. So what are what services do you provide?
1: So part of the things that I uh, do, uh, in addition to the care coordination and providing support, I don't only provide support For the patients, uh, I also support their caregivers or whoever is part of their care team. So emotional support, psychological support, uh, I link them to resources. And then for patients who are, regardless of where they are in their cancer journey, whether it's before, during treatment or even after treatment, one of the things that I've noticed is that patients after their cancer treatment, they, a lot of my clients that describe it as being dropped like a hot potato unfortunately, which means that they finish up treatment and it's like, okay, follow up in six months after going from, you know, week to week, a follow up every two weeks kind of thing for several months there. So they're kind of in the cloud. They're not sure what to do, how to kind of go from there. They don't have enough information to care for themselves or for, from a caregiver standpoint to care for their, um, for their loved ones. So, um, and I I also uh, offer palliative care resource. Um, so I link my clients to you know palliative care or hospice, making sure that they they select the best one for them uh, that matches their goal uh, and what they're trying to accomplish. And I, I know you know from a provider myself uh, talking to patient about palliative care and uh, hospice care. Ahead of time is not necessarily the strong suit nice. <laughs> in our in our field, uh, but I'm I'm hoping that I can bridge that gap. You know, introducing palliative care ahead of time before people get really um, to that hospice phase.
0: Yes, yes. So so important. And as a an aside, so how do you make it more comfortable? I guess for patients or exp- explain to them the need to. Think about palliative care ahead of time or to think about hospice ahead of time.
1: So when I first meet my clients, depending on what's going on with them at that point, like if it's something that if they have a diagnosis or treatment plan for a curative with a curative intent, then there's that. But if it's more in the if they're in the metastatic setting, I try to figure out what their goals are. um, What's more important to them? Is it quality or is it quantity of life? Uh, And depending on what they tell me, then we go from there. You know, if they're more, if they want to leave up until a certain point of time to, like, uh, be there for their high schoolers who's about to graduate, you know, things like that, like... Uh, Then we, I I make sure that when they go in to visit their providers, like whether I'm present virtually or face-to-face, I kind of help direct the questions as far as making sure that they ask the right question to have their providers talk to them about the treatment goals. You know, we're not, are we curing or we're not curing? And if we're not curing, what if the treatment doesn't work? Then what does that look like for them? You know what I mean?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Uh, so, because a lot of providers don't talk about that, we're just so focused on, you know, curing the, the or treating the cancer, not necessarily the patient as a whole, which again, that doesn't apply to all providers, but I think we should focus more uh, on a holistic approach. Right
0: all right, for sure. Thank you. And then, as far as the services, is there a cost and how do patients pay for these services? As I know, uh, you know, so many already have trouble affording um, their treatment. So, I guess, what does that look like? And then also, I believe you are in the Atlanta area, um, but are you just yes. local to your area? So
1: uh, that's a very important question. Unfortunately, it's a, my services are private pay. yes, Which means that patients or their loved ones um, pay me directly out of their pocket. Insurance does not cover it. Uh, and one of the, well, actually, there's a movement now that is we're trying to get Medicare, Medicaid, Medicare services to, um, to cover navigation or uh, service or um, assistance. But this is still in the, in the works. <laughs> uh, I don't know how long that will take, but really what the, I think the goal right now is to maybe pay for like an hour every month per patient, which is nothing. Um, so to answer that question, it's gonna it's private pay um and as far as if locally initially I started locally just with uh with patients I took I took clients only in the Atlanta area uh, but now um I take clients virtually uh, all over the United States and I do have a few patients who are uh, international as well so from other countries
0: okay wonderful I definitely hope that that goes through with Medicare um that it's your services are so important and we definitely, I think, should be assigning patients an advocate and covering those services for sure. Well, it's a, it's well worth the money spent and a huge value for patients and their caregivers. And I, I think for the system in general too. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. You're, you're making that easier for them to understand hospice or palliative care than they may be saving from unnecessary treatment at some point in time as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And what does a typical work day look like for you? Ooh, That's a <laughs> there that's may be interesting... no typical day. <laughs>
1: There's no typical day. But um you know averaging though um uh... A typical workday for me involves communicating with patients and their healthcare team, uh, researching treatment options, and making sure that they understand what the, what their healthcare or their oncology team has recommended, uh, what that looks like for them, uh, making sure that they understand the side effects, um, and really how that's going to affect them. Uh, not just at home, but at work, are they going to be able to work, you know, for example, patients who are on Fall Fox, right? And if they're, if that person is a a trainer, or somebody whose job requires them to stand or walk a lot, what if they develop neuropathy? How's that going to affect them, Um, you know, continue to work? So things like that. Uh, I also attend uh, medical appointments if my clients want me to, so either virtually or in person. I provide emotional support to patients and their family members as well.
0: Okay, wonderful. And just out of curiosity, have you had any trouble attending virtually? Like, are are you generally welcomed by the healthcare team? And I guess, what what is a virtual (laughs) like for you?
1: So that is interesting. What I typically do is to kind of soften the blow and make sure that no one feels threatened in their space. Like, I'm not here to... uh, tell you you've done something wrong or right I'm just simply here as another set of ears for the patient and make sure that they understand what you're what you're saying so um, when I go when I go in whether virtually or um, in in person I introduce myself and kind of tell them what I'm about and what I'm not about so I'm not here to judge you I'm just here to help the patient Um, and I'm very I make a lot of I, I joke a lot, so I think that helps to kind of uh, ease up the tension in the room.
0: <laughs> yeah, humor can out can diffuse a lot of situations. So yeah. <laughs> um, and what are some of the key issues that you are finding for your patients right now? Trouble with treatment
1: decision making. Managing side effects, navigate, navigating the healthcare system, as you know, that's a complex thing to uh, <laughs> to maneuver. Um, emotional and financial concerns, uh, those are also significant, um, plays a significant role in, in how patients kind of go through their cancer journey.
0: Okay. And then what can our members so our members are largely made up of the multidisciplinary healthcare team, we have physicians pharmacists pharmacy technicians nurses, what can these team members do to help patients with these issues.
1: I think by assisting patient kind of foster open communication sharing valuable information at the right time in the right space. Uh, collaborating to provide comprehensive care. So again, going back to that holistic approach, right? Um, of, one of the things that I've seen in my independent advocacy practice is that people cancer uh, people who have been diagnosed with cancer they they don't have that much emotional and psychological support, right? Um, kind of letting them know what their resources are. Um, can you know? Do do we have a psychologist who or psychiatrist who focus on cancer patient? I don't think there's not a lot of those. But if there is a you know, oncology social worker, assess your needs, you know. And I think together, involving an advocate, that will make a significant impact in how um in, in how, uh, positive or uh, negative people, their cancer journey is.
0: Okay, very good, thank you. And what inequalities do you currently see in our oncology hematology space? And are there actionable steps that you think we can take to reduce these and make care more accessible for all?
1: Um, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> so I think one of the issue is getting access to like cutting edge treatments or even like uh, clinical trials, um, financial resources, and having access to um, cancer care centers depending on the patient's uh, geographical uh, location. And I think some of the actionable steps that we can take uh, together as healthcare professionals, whether as an ad- independent advocate or you know, uh, oncologist or whoever it might be in the healthcare team, is by helping expand access to care and advocating for healthcare policy changes. Um, other things would be like addressing social determinants uh, of health, you know, like environmental factors.
0: Um. So yes, I think you, you know, it's going to take a lot of people to to solve the world's problems, but you definitely have brought forward some good points. Absolutely. Then how can we find out more information about your services or direct patients to you? And I guess, do you have a team of people or is it mainly you right now? It's mainly me. Um,
1: as far as um, employee uh, goes, however, I do work with subcontractors who are like other advocates too. Uh, so I um, I network with other advocates and see what their strong uh, suits are. So mm-hmm. if there's a if there's an advocate that works in the rare disease. Um, sudden, or they focus more on, um, say, lung cancer, uh, and I'm overwhelmed, then I give them the case, but I still oversee uh, everything that they do. And you can find out more uh, information about services I provide at FIDES Health Advocates uh, on my web, uh, www.fideshealthadvocates.com. I'm also on social media. I'd be happy to uh, connect, network on LinkedIn as well. Um, Dr. Kafila, so i
0: DSP, yeah. Awesome. And we um, can link to your website in our show notes so everyone can find it there. And Thank just you. as you were talking about networking with others, it made me think, how could, if someone was interested and, in, you know, getting on the path to become a health advocate or, Mm -hmm. um, maybe, maybe even it's just something, you know, on, on the side and maybe you work, you work three days at the pharmacy and you think I I would love to do this as a service for patients. Um, yeah. With one more day, do you have tips or any, any direction for people who might be interested in pursuing that path?
1: absolutely. I actually have a, a few friends or colleagues uh, who are pharmacists and also uh, independent health advocates. so that is definitely doable. Um, one of the things that I would say is evaluate why you're doing it. Um, are you doing it because you just want flexibility or do you truly want to help patient? And if the answer and you if you have the right answer, uh, then I think this is something that would be um, would be rewarding. one, Another, like, I know you asked me for one tip, but (laughs) here's another one.
0: (laughs) You can give multiple. That's great. (laughs) Thank
1: you. Another one is, are you, do you have um, an area where you are stronger, like you have more strength? For example, do you want to help them manage your medication? Uh, or do you just want to provide advocacy like navigational services for um, cancer patients in general maybe not even narrow it down to lung cancer um, but I think kind of knowing who you are and what your limits are uh, because again emotional and psychological uh, support is really needed and sometimes it can kind of um, it can be challenging as an advocate, so know who you are, know what your um, uh, what what your strength and your um limitations are. And if you have any um, any question, a particular question about how to jumpstart this, definitely you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd be more than happy to answer any question.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. I, I feel like there needs to be a lot, a lot more of you in the world. Um, <laughs> so, so many patients, I think could just derive benefit from these services absolutely we ask all of our podcast guests one final fun question and this season our question is if you could give your 18 year old self one piece of advice what would that be Hmm.
1: don't be afraid to be different
0: oh I love that.
1: Yeah, don't be afraid to be different. Uh, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing around you. Um, identify some of the the barriers that you can break, and just keep pushing. You're gonna get there, and you're gonna be awesome at it.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. Great, great advice for your 18 year old self, and I think great advice for the rest of us listening too. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It has been a pleasure and thank you for all that you're doing for patients. And I just, I just heard that I'll, I'll get to meet you in person at our fall summit. So if anyone's coming to fall summit, we'll, we'll look for you there as well, but thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Ginger. This has been a great pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you and the rest of the um, the team uh, members. Yes, this will, I'm excited. I'm excited. I thought I wouldn't be able to make it, but I, I, yeah, I am looking forward to it. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And for everything that you guys do, oh my gosh, this is a, a, an amazing organization that I'm proud to be a part of.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the PQI podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Kafilat. You can find the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and on encoda.org. That's N-C-O-D-A dot You can also find us on Instagram at the PQI podcast. We hope you tune in next week for another edition of the PQI podcast. Thanks, everybody.